This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. This is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of Hawke's Bay Poetry Live, a programme broadcast weekly on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm. Welcome to the show. And my guest today is Mr Neil Gordon of Napier. Neil is a former newspaper reporter and editor. Napier poet as well, Neil is. And he's worked and has been energised by words his whole life. His first paid gig as a poet was in Queenstown, where the payment was his bus fare out of town the next day. (laughs) He once appeared at McLean Park. Not too many poets can say that, I think, in Hawke's Bay. As a guest of the cricketer Jeremy Coney, where his poetry was beamed live to Sri Lanka and paid with a bag of Dilmar tea. (laughs) Fortunately for Neil, poetry is its own reward. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm not going to let you get away with that little story. Um, Jeremy Coney and poetry at McLean Park, do you want to um, explain? Oh, look, I'm not sure who recommended me for that gig, but somehow I got a call and, you know, was I available to come down at half two in the afternoon during their drinks break, uh-huh. perform poetry. Uh, it was called the Dilmar Tea Party. I so, do remember that. Right? Yes. And so Jeremy Coney hosted it. Um, and so I, uh, I went down there. Um, I did a musical number as part of the set and... Mm. A um, another cricketer who'd been sort of operating the the sound equipment or something. What was his name? Ewan? Is it Chatsfield? Chatfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nine Eye Express. Right, right. Well, he played bongos um, <laughs> <laughs> while I did this musical number uh, for Sri Lanka. Yeah, because Jeremy Coney was a bit <laughs> of an arts man himself, wasn't he? Of course. And I wondered, did you know him? You, you didn't say so what you no. said before. You didn't know him. No, no, no. Because he, he did a bit of acting, I think, and a, and a bit of whatnot. But anyway, we're here today to focus on you. Um, so opening question, really, is who or what turned you onto poetry? It'd, it'd have to be just uh, children's books, you know, that were read to me as a kid. Uh, it was all those... Those wonderful rhymes that were just stuffed in my ears uh, on my mum's knee. Uh, I mean, Dr. Seuss is mm. probably ground zero for me. Yeah. Uh, that combination of seemingly simple mm. rhyming nonsense, mm. but with layers of meaning to mm. peel back and funny mm. as hell. Uh, oh, good. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, not, not every poet that comes on this show talks about childhood um some certainly some do yeah no you obviously had a had a strong uh, impact on you 
Yeah, and I mean, I did write some poetry at high school, but yeah, yeah it was really travelling in my early 20s and mm. sort of sitting down with blank postcards that uh, developed the habit. Yes. How to, what is it, five, it's five sentences you can fit onto a postcard, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's or if, I know sometimes you're writing to, to mum or dad, I used to make my writing quite large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, try and avoid wish you were here, but um, it, it actually would be a cool way to, um, you know, for poets. So you, uh, here's a postcard. This is all you get. Mm. See what you can do. Mm. Um, so you started at school and then re- it really took off for you. Do, were there any um, teachers at school that, that sort of inspired you or... <clears throat> uh, in, inspired... Um, my sort of creative writing more so than than poetry. I mean, stories mm, okay. was the thing back there. And um, primary school, Beth North at Green Meadows Primary, uh, you know, she she wrote on a story that I had a great imagination ah. and being impressionable. I believe yeah. I believed that. And I, yeah, you know, I sometimes think if she had written something else, if she had written, you know, you're going to travel to the moon someday. I might have believed that and gone on a completely different track. Isn't it absolutely um, mind-blowing how those little comments can, can push you? Just one or two comments. Mm. And then, if, I mean, if you get a negative comment about if, you, know, you, you don't, don't paint, you can't paint, you'll probably never, never do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it's a heck of a powerful thing yeah. for good and evil. Ah, look, yeah. look, why don't you open the show with a poem, Neil? Sure, well, look, this is uh, something from a postcard. Ah, there you go. Uh, it's called Doomed. There is no hope. There will be no mercy. We are doomed, all of us, to a life of untold happiness. Frivolity will dog our every step. Joyousness will storm uninvited into our nights. Behold, a plague of bliss is upon us. This is our fate. It's terminal. Accept it. We are doomed. Mm. <laughs> um, we, and you wrote that when you were travelling? Uh, or... in, in Jakarta. Actually. Ah, yeah. well, yeah. it's a place dear to my heart. Right. Um, and you, did you actually mail it to somebody? I did. Uh, it was a friend... Uh, in Central Hooks Bay, who seemed to have a, an outlook where if things were really good, that wasn't right, and oh. um, and sh- and she would engineer things so they weren't right, and then that would accord with her worldview. And so I thought if she could just embrace the inevitability of happiness, it would it would make life so much better for everyone. Yeah. So is that? Your philosophy of life, or was it then? It it certainly was. It was then. Um, 
I've, that poem I've uh, sort of reconfigured slightly and read it at, at half a dozen weddings. Mm. Um, I was totting, <laughs> it scared me last night. I was totting up and I was thinking, actually, four of those marriages haven't lasted. And I hope, I hope it's <laughs> nothing to do with uh, the poem Doomed. <laughs> the Gordon Curse. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, life can flip, life can pivot in an instant, can't it? Mm. Um, so Neil, you were one of the early members of the Hawke's Bay Live Poets Group, who famously met at the Cat and Fiddle, and uh, was a group started by, um, Keith Thorson. Keith mm, Thorson, mm. thank you very much. He's he's been in this very studio. Mm. Um, what memories do you have of of those days? Do you want to tell a few stories or? Uh, they were great nights, and and many of us owe a huge debt to Keith. Um, he was the Hastings Community Arts Officer at the time. Mm. Uh, he <clears throat> Keith's a, a fantastic poet. Who, who writes poems of of here of of life happening here and he's a superb reader of his work mm, yeah yeah that's yeah. true so the the monthly gatherings at at the cat and fiddle pub on Karamu road were were great it, it's i find it extremely useful to have a regular prompt to create something new mm uh and the and the guest poets were a feature of those nights so they're often from out of town um and were inspirational mm. uh, and the and the camaraderie of of like-minded individuals uh, was a real tonic um it's it's not that often you get to hang out with a bunch of fellow poets and mm. so so that was great and we were such a varied bunch and there were shining poets mm. among us mm. uh jenny dobson foremost in my mind a uh, fabulous poet and a and a fabulous reader of her mm. her work too oh that's great um yeah i saw jenny at the launch of the 30th anniversary um, collection mm. uh, where Keith Thorson came last year. Um, yeah, so, yeah, the out-of-town guests, I've, I've looked through that old guest list and um, Sam Hunt came once mm-hmm. and, um, oh, I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a list that's quite long now and, mm. and some, some very famous names came, mm. and, came and read there. Mm. So uh, that's great that you were so inspired. Do you want to give us another one um, now, Neil? Sure. Well, this this poem, Too Soon, uh, was in the collection that the Hawke's Bay Live Poets published, um, Sketching in the Space. Uh, So this must have been in, I think, the late 90s. Okay. Summer sand, a caravan, and the stars have fallen at our bare feet, swimming and crawling, pinks and blues outstretched, outshone by a twin cassette deck, 
graphically equalising the wind which trails meteorite dust up our legs over our brown-bellied bells, between our armpit hair and everywhere around the clock which sits forgotten on the rocks tonight, yeah, no. Grass clippings, leaf litter, blood and bone, happy as lemons, we all fox trot a six-foot beep beneath a cemetery sky, the band never misses, the boom, the boom, the boom, chuck-a-boom. Fresh and dried, they roll and skate on a continental plate. So alive, even the peas are a sweet surprise. Yeah, no. The longest day is a month and a half, as on it goes, and the boys propose to club together and beat the shit out of it for going too soon. They twist the throttle they have on the day and roar off with the moon in the back of their cars, looking for Venus and finding Mars too soon, too soon. The lows and highs ripped and rolled, never thinking about the tides and that these, not those, are the days of our lives too soon. The girls in their togs and shirts, and they called it puppy fat. For sure, for sure, I guess they know for sure too soon they'll replace that moon. Looking for something cosmic in the back of a car, guided there by a morning star, a shooting. They say that if you lie on your back and look at the sky, a wishing light will pass you by every eight minutes. If you keep your eye on the whole of the sky which is hard to do, and keep your eye on what else is happening too, too soon. A magic, lucky, travelling rug. It's my lucky carpet, my lucky, lucky carpet, and we never shall be parted. It's my lucky carpet. Snug as a sand-hopping bug we roll, beachside sand in my socks, strolling and lolling in green dune grass. Not the sweetest hours, but the goddamn best amongst the yogurt, bang, lassies. Culture? What culture? For God's sake, it grows overnight. If you keep it warm and moist and don't take the lid off, don't open the oven door too soon. Mm. <laughs> Kiwi summers or uh, lots of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kiwi summers is how it sort of all began <clears throat> rolling. Yeah, sounds like somebody very much in, in love with the outdoors and and you know the the Kiwi experience, you know, mm. beaches and the, uh, you know, Neil, I've heard you talk about the sky um, uh, a few times actually, and is it something you're very in particular, or is that just coincidence that I'm thinking you've got, you know, uh, I uh, <clears throat> that's an interesting observation, the the cemetery sky in there. Mm. Uh, refers to the Southern Cross, really, um, and how mm. I always had trouble locating it. Um, I can find it now, <laughs> but, oh. but once upon a time, don't apologise. I'd, I'd look up there and I'd go, "Oh, there's the Southern Cross," and I'd go, "No, no, there it is." And so, and so, the sky would be full of crosses. Uh, yeah, <laughs> join the dots. Yeah, um, that okay. That expression there, too soon, too soon. Mm. Now. Lawrence Ferlinghetti had that in a poem out of in a Coney Island of the Mind. I wondered, mm. was that a reference to him or not? No, no, uh, no, the, no, no. That is news to me. No, um, um, was it? Uh, look, it might have been the leaves crying too soon, too soon. Yeah. But yeah, in the a Coney Island of the Mind. But th this is this is what happens, of course. Poets, different poets, write. Th mm. You know, images come, and um, it, it's a well, it's a common expression anyway, isn't mm. it? 
But when it's in a poem, it takes on a um, profundity, I suppose. Mm. Even the, like the year <clears throat> no um, in the poem there. Oh yeah, back in the no. back in the nineties <clears throat> when I wrote this, mm. uh, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't the cultural uh, <laughs> motif it is now. Oh, you're the originator. Um, well, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't claim that. Did you go? Did you but, go around saying but, it? But, but uh, I was, yeah, in there at ground level. I can remember when the word "munted" came into oh. the culture, and people were quite. Some people were quite offended by it. It's in the dictionary now. But I, I remember I told my nephew, who was living in Singapore, and he excitedly went and tried to get it going at a secondary school, but he said, oh, it didn't take off. No one wanted to know, but it's a Kiwi classic now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Munted. Mm. Um, yeah. Well... Oh, oh, look, and I just need to say, in yeah. that poem, there was a couple of bits, you know, I, I did consciously steal some lines there um, about the lucky carpet from um, Comedians Reeves and Mortimer. Oh. You know, the odd bit maybe magpied from Robbie Burns, the way... Well, that's, that um, that's what some writers do. They rearrange the words of others. I'm not saying you do that, but mm. um, it's nice to drop something in, you know, um, because you'll find that they weren't the first people to use that phrase, really, you know, mm. when you mm. think of how old humanity mm. is, for God's sake. Even if it was said in another language, it's still been said, hasn't it? Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, look, um, so is it... Is it a bit of a painful question to ask how how do you write how, how do you write <laughs> poems? How does the process uh, work for you? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm extremely un, undisciplined, gen, generally, um, and but uh, with with my writing, um, and so it happens when it happens. I, um, I interviewed uh, Sam Hunt when I was a cadet reporter, and, okay. and Sam Sam reckoned he couldn't force inspiration on himself, mm. but he could position himself to catch it. And so he was talking about hanging out in the Faranaki Forest Park in that instance. That was gonna gonna work for him, um, right? For me, it's more about getting my my mental landscape right, having the having the right input and a head not too full to let my ideas bounce around. Yeah. Is it all in your you know, your head and your mentality at the time, do you think? Or do things, you know, come from just you know, within the the environment come roaring at you? <laughs> uh but it's all have you, have you ever uh, have you ever watched that TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, where she's talking about creativity? The uh, author of Eat, Pray, yeah, Love. Yeah, yeah. Shocking, shocking. No, if I have a shocking film. I've not read the book. Um, oh, the book's but, remarkably well written. Just as, right. as, as an aside, okay. I, I think. Yeah. Well, look, you should look up her TED talk on creativity. It's, oh. it's fascinating for many for many things, but in it, she talks about a. Uh, an American poet, Ruth Stone, who uh, says as a kid she'd be out in the fields and she would feel a poem uh, roaring towards her on the wind uh, <clears throat> and right. she would have to race like lightning for the house to get a pen and paper 
because if she didn't get there in time, the poem would just blow on by looking for another poet. And and she talks about how she would get to the house um, sometimes almost too late to be able to, and she would grab the poem, as it were, by the tail, mm. pull it into herself, write the poem down flat stick. And in those instances, the poem would be on her page fully formed but backwards. Mm. <laughs> that sounds quite extraordinary, doesn't it? Does. It does. Uh, the creative process is... I mean, a... <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's a bit like Keith Richards reaching for a guitar. Incoming, you yeah. know. Um, well, some people say songs are given, they're not, they're not written. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I know you can... It is, it's not always a flash of inspiration. You can grind it out for two years over a poem and finally resolve mm. it. I know that, but mm-hmm. um, that's that's interesting. When just going back to Sam Hunt, did you was it face to face or was it on the? Yeah, yeah, we were out at the. Um, it was the Tamantia Motor Inn at the time, which is now you know, still a pub there opposite Pack and Save. And in fact, um, so Sam he said a beautiful thing. Um, he said, "Suburban Tamatia is just." as buzzy and magical in its own way as the Pacific rolling in from South America and breaking on the Wairapa coast. What a, it sounds like a <laughs> wonderful way to ingratiate himself to a Hawke's Bay resident, isn't it? No, that's yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, there, there you go, Sam Hunt. I mean, mm. he, um, you know, he when he's talking sometimes you can hear, well, it's, that sounds like a Sam Hunt poem. You know, mm. but it's just just the way he is. Mm. Um, yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. Do you do you have any um, particular topics that you like to sort of like as as your collection of work? You know, would you could you categorise it, or is it all just kind of wide open? It <clears throat> it just reflects what's happening in my life at the time, right? Really, yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to share another one? Sure. Um, I'm undulating. Mm. I'm undulating like a wool shed by the road. I'm standing waiting. A bus shelter in the rain. Empty, bitter, cold, good for drinking. But the problem, I've been told, I'm undulating. Midriff plays a wah-wah tune. I'm undulating. Have to leave the trough here soon. Elliptic orbit. I chuck my hopes up at the moon. You're meant to catch them, but not to gut them like a fish. I'm beaming at you. My cellulite dish. Reception dodgy. Perhaps a storm way up in space explains the static. Uncaring look upon your face. I wish I loved you. Through the ups and through the ground that falls and rises. Like the land in my hometown, I'm undulating. And the peak comes up again. What was I saying? Will it drag our life here down? We're Stan and Hilda. Living corrugation street, our world in curlers. Woolly slippers on our feet. We're undulating. Like the bouncing kids we've seen. One moment flying. Let's get off the trampoline. We're undulating. Hello, here comes a high. Will you be waiting? 
to grab me as I pass by, I'm reaching for you. And together, if we try, we'll stop undulating. Mm. Yeah, I've heard you read that one once before. Um, I like that. Um, I mean, if you don't know the word undulating, you're going to feel you do by the end of it. <laughs> and um, I mean, the listeners might well hear already there's a um, consistency of um, language and a kind of a, um, it must must be a Neil, a Neil Gordon vision coming through, just the way you look at life and, and being a human. Uh, I, for me, I, I'm just kind of following where the idea is heading and like in that yeah. in that sort of poem it's just one word or idea kind of rolling on leading into leading yeah. into the next undulating mm. 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 Um, yeah that's your writing process explained right there eh? <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no that's terrific um what um po- uh, which poets really i mean this I think some people probably like this question and other people don't. But who who do you admire? You've already mentioned um, Keith Thorson and Jenny Dobson. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any international poets? Um, or, you know, who, who's really sort of, um, you know, made you sit up and notice? Oh, well, so New Zealand poets, uh, Hone Tufari, um, uh, yeah. Glenn yeah. Cahoon. Um, right. I think who both guests um, of the live poets and Hastings. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and Sam, for his, his dedication to live performance mm. and just his feats of memory, yeah. <laughs> I find that astounding. Yeah. I'm, I always have a page in, in front of me, mm. even when I think I've got the stuff in my head. Um, and yet, yeah, some poets carry, carry books of material mm. in mm. their heads. Like actors, I guess. Mm. Um, Yeah, so carry on. Yeah, internationally, uh, like Dylan Thomas, I'm just in love with his language. Mm. Um, uh, Simon Armitage, the the UK Poet Laureate. Uh, I'm, I'm not too familiar with his poetry, but I've heard him talk about poetry, and I just love the the down home. Way he he explains it and comes across. Oh. I think he's a oh, a brilliant ambassador for poetry. Oh, I have to look that up. Maybe the mm. list, listeners might as well. You know, that's the great thing about this era. You can find just about anything on good old YouTube, can't you? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you you've um, unsurprisingly, um, you know, you've had a strong connection to Kiwi. Poets, mm. um, and you've, of course, you're quite experienced um, as a performer and a reader. You know, mm. you've done that for many years, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, getting getting your work out there, that's um, as important as, um, or more important than even being, you know, having poems published. Would you say, for you? Yeah, it is. It is for me, <clears throat> uh, but I'm also. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky sometimes to find the 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 venue um, or, or the out the outlet where you feel at home. Um, mm. 
I used to, I used to go down to a um, an open mic uh, near Ortani mm-hmm. routinely, um, which was mainly it was virtually all music apart from apart from me and one, perhaps one or two other poets okay. occasionally. But that uh, yeah, that was a, a beautiful setting. Mm. 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 Oh, interesting. Um, how about another poem? Sure. Um, well, this is a one I read recently at that Hawke's Bay uh, Poetry Slam final. Right. Okay. Where, <laughs> where uh, the audience and judges weren't didn't seem to be really on my wavelength. The um, <laughs> I thought I'd I thought I'd written this beautiful love poem. Um, <laughs> but it didn't seem it seemed to be out of step with the zeitgeist and the whole yep, yep. um woman pig metaphor um i think it's not really on reflection it's not surprising it didn't win the judges over <laughs> <laughs> but it's called oink right <laughs> in my dreams she nestles between sacks and river stones earthy smoky steaming Moist flesh falls off her bones. I'm coming home, coming home to Kunni Kunni with my Kuni Kuni honey. A double scoop of curves, too much for cup or cone. She serves the creamiest cuddles from here to Rushman Rose. A body made for suckling, it's just the way she's built. Piglets squeal and snuggle, their tears magicked into milk. Not much into ceremony, whatever I propose. Gave her a ring for her finger, she put it through her nose. I'm coming home, coming home to Kunni Kunni with my Kuni Kuni honey. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. I mean, that's a... Uh, a funny uh, poem full of innuendo and, um, you know, um, yeah, I suppose um, that's the thing about reading a poem. Any particular room full of listeners might respond differently mm. on, on, on mm-hmm. any different given night. And I, I know that so true because the, um, you know, I've seen slam final, uh, winners who the previous time couldn't couldn't get a look in right. so it's all about the room you know mm. um possibly yeah you might be right possibly um you're sort of intimating possibly about a demographic thing going on <laughs> but that's all right we can live with that um yeah good mm. um so neil what um this is another one of my grand questions what role do you think poetry plays in the Hawke's Bay community? We've touched on quite a lot already, but maybe you like, might like to sum it up. Well, you know, probably bugger all is a fair summary. Not much of a role at all. <clears throat> okay, um, yep. I mean, there, there is currently a strong live poetry scene with three, three groups on the go, which is fantastic, but it's, it's a very fringe activity. Um, mm. Most people would never encounter a poem unless unless they're at school or at, or at an Anzac service mm. or a funeral. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, a 
apart apart from that McLean Park gig I'm talking I talked about. Yep, yep. I was once asked to to write a poem for uh, a fishhook festival. It was called an Ahururi. Mm-hmm. Um, I stood on the back of a truck uh, and and delivered just a, a wee sprat of a poem mm-hmm. that wouldn't um, <laughs> wouldn't frighten people too much. But that's that's pretty rare. I mean, yeah. can you recall being at a public event where where a poet's been asked to step up and? and no, no, no. Well, that's the thing about Sam Hunt. You see, he I I, I know people that that socialised with him in the past, and if they just were out for lunch. Well, Sam would stand up and start reading poems at the mm. table, and he did mm. that since he was was a kid. Mm. Um, but I've, I've done calculations, and I think poets, performing poets, um, you know, if we don't know who's quietly, secretly writing at home and never says boo to a ghost, but out of people who make a visible contribution to the community, it's either one in ten thousand in Hawks, uh, sorry, one in a thousand in Hawkes Bay. Uh-huh. And in some cities, it's probably one in 10,000 people. So you can see we are a select group <laughs> when you compare that to beer drinkers, rugby watchers, yeah, um, right. you know, even uh, riding in, a, in an Uber. Um, yeah, it's a select group. Mm. And, um, I mean, I suppose you can say things like it's an outlet. It, it can be therapy. Some poets share things to an audience of strangers that they've never shared with their family. So mm-hmm. it, it, it can. There's a big thing now about um, poetry is a safe, safe environment, but we don't tolerate hate mm-hmm. speech and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, people do share stuff. But I wondered, I wondered if you sort of agreed with that that it's a sort of a, you know, it's a place for people to vent or just to feel uh. comfort and. Well, any it's not just any poetry group, but any, I think any group, any club you're involved with, part of its function is to uh, welcome and, and look after people who don't, who have trouble fitting in, you yeah. know, and, so, yeah. and you certainly you see that in... At poetry open mics, folk who turn up um, sometimes who you'd say are, are vulnerable and and they're welcome mm. welcomed mm. in and given their space. But yeah, but like it's the same. I'm sure in a rugby club, a stamp club, or whatever, there yeah. are people there who find their find a place and find a way of belonging, and that's part of uh, just a functioning society. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, look, you're listening to Radio Hawks Bay on 104.7 FM or maybe 1431 AM. You may be on the website, um, Radio Hawks Bay. You can um, download these as, um, listen to these as podcasts. Yeah, and I know people do all around the world. Thank you, listeners. Um, so how about another one? Since you're... Uh, into your stride oh, now, hitting your straps. <clears throat> uh, okay, this is called a blue tarpaulin, and um, based on a true, true encounter. Is anything sweeter than having your poetry pancake anointed with the golden syrup of the immortals? 
an encounter which confirms your words will be remembered. Let me take you now to a garage sale in Fokatani. A stranger speaks. You know my favourite poem of yours, he asks. And the poet's heart falls out of his shirt into the puddle his brain has just made on the concrete. My favourite poem of yours is the one that goes and the hush hung like a blanket on a seven-wire fence. Yes, the poet smiles. That's one of my favourites too. Except it's not mine. It's by Terry Slater from Stanley Road. They stand there. The shreds of a hot air balloon of vanity falling around them, draping the driveway, settling on the Tupperware, chipped crockery, the sweat pants and polyester blouses piled on a blue tarpaulin. Mm, yeah. Was it a barbed wire fence that blanket was on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Terry Slater, mm. uh, I don't know if you ever came across Terry. Um, he travelled travelled the country uh, performing in uh, primary schools mm. uh, as a, sort of as a, a bushman poet. Right. Uh, he was a yeah. he was a huge a huge bloke who'd spent a lot of time as a as a deer colour, and he had he had a lot of fine poems and stories from the back country, mm. and he he worked his butt off <clears throat> up and down the yep. the land. And um, and and yeah, and that poem, I, that poem of his, those couple of lines, they're just beautiful. I think. Mm. Say um, them again for us. Go on. And the hush hung like a blanket on a seven-wire fence. Yeah, it's intriguing, isn't it? I, I, you know, seven wires. Okay, so we could talk forever about what that might. <laughs> seven um, steps to. Um, you know, Buddhist um, nirvana. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Or maybe he was just having a quiet one as the sun was going down and he said, oh, I think there's seven wires on that fence. <laughs> oh, I think he would have strung them all on the yeah. fence itself, so he'd well, be sure. Yeah, that's... See, in the people's mind, it's yeah, it's only Sam Hunt who's been out there for years, you know, pubs and, you know, whatever, university quads and... Doing his stuff, but actually, there are quite a number of people. You know, mm. Keith Thorson went went round a lot of places, and um, there's more than mm. you think of people. Um, and to this day, um, there are some. You know, usually through the um, Read New Zealand program, some of uh-huh. the poets and writers go around schools. You know, um, anyway, um, mm-hmm. it's all it's all good. I think. What it all means is that poetry is very alive still in New Zealand. Gosh, uh, we sort of touched on the thing about the the performing art status mm-hmm. of poetry. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything more to be said, but um, when the poet laureate comes to town, it's pretty big news. So people come out of the woodwork who don't usually go to any poetry gigs, but they'll go and see the poet laureate which is a little bit frustrating for the local poets who are working at the coalface constantly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what do you think? 
Because he's coming to town soon, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, Chris, well, Chris C. Yeah, um, which that should be that should be a great night. Yeah. But you know, I think I don't know. Somehow, yeah, that poet laureate title um, gives yeah lifts him up above the likes of you and I, Jeremy, um, and it gives people that they feel okay that they could go out and see uh, yeah. like a real poet. I mean, that's right. You know, uh, my my idea of what a poet what is, you know, was partly shaped, you know, by the asterisk books, asterisk books, you know, Mm -hmm. where the barred cacophonics was always, you know, bound and gagged and put behind the the (laughs) banquet hall. (laughs) Maybe maybe Mm. asterisk is to blame for it all. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in some countries and cultures, poets um, were like reporters, journalists writing about what the government was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they got uh, put away for it. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's many roles. Um, I think uh, there's an upside to it, though, as well, that on the one hand, the lack of value attached to it is terrible, and on the other, it's great to be in love with an art form that hasn't been monetized <laughs> really yeah you only do it if you love it and and that's yeah. that's a rare and beautiful thing yeah no that's that's a good way of, good way of looking at it indeed um yeah look we'll, we'll go with that that's a nice way to finish that little discussion do you, let, let's but let's get, crack into this other little one about what poetry can actually do do you because I, I always ask every poet this question so we get we get a, a, a long trail of different answers. But do you think poetry can educate or change people? You know, people's viewpoints on something. Or, um, I mean, have you ever written a poem to try to inform someone? You thought, oh, bugger it, I'm going to write about this, and you know, get it out there. Do you think people oh, will listen to that? That's that's not not generally my approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was saying, saying before, you know, my poetry is generally self-expression. Um, it's about what's going on in my in my world and and how I feel about it. Um, and so, it's for me, it's kind of uh, input is output. Um, so if you if you eat eat rice, you excrete rice. And so, if I'm not happy. With my output, um, I can I can look at my input. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I, look, I know, um, you know, I can I can seek out books to kind of tweak tweak you know what's going into my head to mm-hmm. influence what's going to come out. I I know if I'm sitting in a in a live music gig. Uh, just that that setting um, is is useful for just letting my mind just drift away entirely. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, but like I, I don't know. so, in my house dad years, you know, I I wrote a lot of family poetry because that mm. was yeah. uh, that was my entire world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that I mean, that's yeah, that's and that's been done many a time, hasn't it? Um, uh, and, and by artists and all sorts of media. media. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, oh, it's time for another poem, Neil. Yeah. Ah, okay. 
So, uh, wondering why the sun rises, mm. um, which, yeah, is from those house dad years. Mm. There are days, days when he wonders why the sun rises, does it? Days when the moon eclipses the sun, the whole galaxy implodes. Days when that stuff, dark matter, that physicists say makes up 27% of the universe but is never seen, is seen. Days when he resolves to move to a lifestyle block or soundproof the section to shield reality from them next door. And it's the umpteenth time and how many times do I and will you please do what you've been and we've moved on to heavens to Murgatroyd and to holy flippin' hell and beyond and it's no use waiting till your father gets home because he is home and it's a mess and there are other days when he cradles the earth in the crook of his arm Juggles Mars and Venus, runs rings round Saturn, bakes a beautiful batch of Milky Way muffins. Days when everything moves to a graceful, cosmic order. When every word spoken is gentle. When he longs for a lapel mic and outdoor speakers so the neighbours can eavesdrop and weep at the tenderness of his parenting. Days when you ask really hard questions right out of the blue, but he knows the answer and can demonstrate it with an orange, a head of garlic and a balloon. Days when you take it upon yourself to collect buttercups for mum, when with you on his shoulders, he really is ten feet tall, when the crusts have been cut off, the broccoli banished, the undies stay clean... He's so delirious he sprinkles hundreds and thousands on top of your jam sandwich. A day when there are no knots in the hair, no snots, no sulks. Burglars break in and vacuum. A day when the puppy pulls all the washing off the line and folds it neatly. An earthquake lifts every toy off the boy's bedroom floor and drops it in its allotted place. A day when he has time to write this poem. Yeah, well, that's, that's a lovely. It's a classic Neil Gordon poem, <laughs> and that was uh, a winner in uh, last year's Wardini uh, Poetry Writing Competition mm-hmm. in the adult category um, and as part of National Poetry Day week, really, mm-hmm. sort of close to that time. Um, yeah, that's, that's lovely, and um, so you can... You know, talking to you today, you can sort of see how you'd evolve. That poem would slowly evolve over a number of incidents and mm-hmm. things, and where your head was at, and, and your own mentality, and and the the way it was all happening. And funny thing, thing of things like, oh bloody hell, did the neighbours hear me yell that time and stuff like that? Yeah, <laughs> funny, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's life, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And there was there was one bit of uh, uh, sort of magic realism that prompted it that just seemed like the world was out of kilter. Um, I'd received a letter from Inland Revenue. It was a working for families thing, but Inland mm. Revenue had written to say they were going to start paying me $104 a week, you know, for for, for the children. It just seemed uh, so unlikely that 
mm. and mm. that the tax department would would yeah. write um, with such generosity. And so, <laughs> and so, if if that's possible, then maybe it is possible for the puppy to yeah. fold all the washing neatly. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you've you've you definitely caught caught the time. Um, so I'm sure you'd agree 100 percent with the New Zealand poet, Aotearoa poet Elizabeth Smither, who also was a poet laureate uh, once upon a time, um, and she said poetry is a, a way of being alive. I mean, this is what you've been talking about ever since you sat down on the chair, really, I think. Hmm. Am I wrong? Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd agree with it more or less. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I've got much of a choice. Uh, poems arrive and you just have to be hospitable. Mm. Um, it's like food waste or something, you know. I'm not going to let fruit ripen and then drop on the ground. If if poems appear on my tree, I'll I'll harvest them. Yeah, yeah. And do you uh, so? And can you you can write something fairly quickly, or or might you have something that evolves over, you know, say a few months, or you know, you did a draft and you you put it away because you you thought, oh, bugger it, I can't quite finish it, or how does it, uh... you know? Oh, that's that's really variable. Mm. Um, I've had poems arrive, <laughs> you know, more like that, uh, you know, blowing in on a storm and and just demanding attention. Yeah. That, um, okay. That too soon one, mm. I can that that just uh, appeared. In my, in my chest, and uh, I, I just had to write the whole thing down as mm. as quickly as I could in a um, in a shaking, highly excited state. Mm. Um, but but that was unusual. The um, often often it's when I'm cycling. I right. love being out on my bike, and there's just something about that locomotion. Um, I probably if I walked more places, I'd probably get the same thing because I think there's there's something just about the act of moving, mm. get um and gets my gets my brain flowing. Yeah, cool. Um, I think we better get you to read another poem because I can see the clock is rapidly ticking here. Mm. Oh. Look, this this I wrote years ago. A, a painter friend asked me to to write a poem to to go with a painting of hers, and somehow the ideas got wrapped up in um, in the in the Esk Valley and Tongoyo, and in a time when I'd almost drowned in Cyclone Bowler. Um, mm. And it's interesting digging this out again now, post Gabriel. Um, anyway, here it is. It's called okay. the Scrape. Okay. Burning January in the valley. Cicadas crawl from their skins. Shadows thin as telephone poles blacken sheep's heads. Still the sun falls on their necks like an axe. Nature never chooses death. The river may dry, but it doesn't die. Two, four, six feet deep and down. It dodges, hides, still nature demands water flows to the sea. 
under the carved feet of angels. Through the eyes of our dead, here the scrape begins. Put your head to the ground, feel the subterranean rush, a dark, bleeding flood of souls washed from their beds, dragged to the ocean, clawing a last handful of earth, deep valley roots, a last grasp, desperate fist of life, grabs and presses its hope intense. The acid tannins of letting go will pass. Death and life flow on. Mm. Oh. Yeah, well, that, that is, you, you could have told, sat there and said you've written that, you know, this week because, you know, uh, it's been a... Yeah, it's been a pretty shitty time. Mm, yeah, mm, for many people. Yeah. 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 Um, look, it's been fantastic having you here today, Neil. Um, I'm sure that the listeners have really enjoyed hearing your remarkable poetry. I, I think it's fabulous. And, um, uh, you know, the great thing is that you, you read it and get it out there. You, you sometimes come to Hawke's Bay Live Poets, don't you? Um, but where are you? Or Napier Live Poets sometimes. Um, you, you are around, aren't you? Do, do, you, do you have yeah, anything to say bit. about that? Or... Um, uh, well, you know, people can listen to this show and get all they want of you, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you put if, it on repeat. If, sure. <laughs> yeah. If somebody wanted to get in touch, are you on a, on Facebook, you know, or something like that? If someone uh-huh. wanted to message you or I, don't feel um, obligated, I, you don't have to. Uh, <clears throat> I am on Facebook. I don't know if, how easy it is to track me down or not. I'm... Um, yeah. Well, they you you've, you know Neil. It's Neil Gordon. Neil with two L's. So um, give it a crack. Um, yeah. Look. Um, very very briefly. Um, what do, are you interested in? Any other types of art? Have you ever got into anything else? Uh, I like setting things on fire. Ah. Uh, and so, so I've I've created fire sculptures. For special occasions and uh, organised mm, mm. fire festivals, um, firing flaming cabbages off the Marine Parade with a medieval siege catapult was a highlight. Um, I <laughs> I create portraits of my ancestors in my firewood stack, mm, um, mm. but but my my art seldom turns out quite the way I'd like. Um, Really, my most successful art projects are when I've helped organisers organise an event that allows other artists to do their thing. Okay. Well, look, I'm not surprised to hear, hear you. You're, you're an original um, creative soul, I feel. Um, will there be another fire festival this year for people to look out uh, for? Or I, I hope so. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm certainly bit... up up for it. I mean, last year's yeah. out at the Waihiki Creative Arts yeah. Village, yeah. Um, and it's too it's too early to say. There's certainly yeah. there's the will. It's just what's yeah. what's going to be See possible. How we go. Yeah. All right, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Um, thanks so much for coming into the studio today, and listeners, thank you you for listening. And we'll we'll as I always say, we'll see you again soon. Thank you.
program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.